Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Okay, so here's the thing. I just made a boatload of popcorn and got a soda in my hand. I hardly ever drink sodas, but I was preparing to binge watch. See, I was all excited to learn that today's episode will be discussing TLTV. I'm no stranger to cool acronyms. It didn't take me long to surmise that TLTV stands for Texas Lawyer Television, right? I was like, wow, a show about real Texas lawyers. This ought to be fun. Maybe it'll be about somebody I know. Then I read the memo. The memo took me back to the time from about 2001 until around maybe 2012-ish. I remember our troops going off to war in Afghanistan and Iraq. The support for our troops was palpable. It was everywhere. Support the troops, the bumper stickers said. There were fundraisers for soldiers, reminders to thank our heroes for their service. Like you, I did my part. I donated. I thanked. I reflected on their bravery. But then the war effort started to wind down. Our heroes started coming home. So many of them went from fighting for us to fending for themselves. Reading the memo on TLTV clued me into something. Our troops don't just need our support when they're fighting. They need just as much of our support, if not more, when they return home. Richard Pena knows this. He returned home from war, a different war, in a different time. Richard is a veteran of the Vietnam War. He left that theater on the very last day of American involvement. You can read all about his experience in that war and its aftermath in his book, The Last Plane Out of Saigon which he co-authored with award-winning author and scholar John Hagen. Richard has firsthand experience of the horrors both of war and of returning home from war. Richard, however, managed to make a resounding success of his life. He graduated from UT Law School, Order of the Coif, because <laughs> of course he did, and even served as president of the State Bar of Texas from 1998 to 1999. I could go on about Richard and spend our entire episode regaling you with his accomplishments, but let's just say he's a hero among heroes. Imagine Richard's delight when he learned that his longtime friend, Terry Tottenham, became state bar president for the 2010 to 2011 term. Terry, too, is a veteran. In fact, he's a Marine. By the way, FYI, there are no former Marines, just retired ones who would pick up a bayonet at a moment's notice if called upon. Like Richard, Terry's no slouch. Since 1978, he's been a leader at Norton Rose Fulbright in Austin. He teaches CLEs and has achieved a stellar career, but he never forgot his roots. You see, during his presidency, Terry established TLTV. And now for the big reveal. TLTV actually stands for Texas Lawyers for Texas Veterans. It's better than a television series and even more binge-worthy. It's a statewide coalition of lawyers who provide pro bono legal services for veterans in need and their families. Terry touched a nerve. TLTV has been replicated in several states and is being considered by yet others. Terry proved yet again that the State Bar of Texas leads the pack when it comes to innovation and creativity. TLTV turns 10 years old this month, November of 2020. Terry and Richard have agreed to give us some insights into this marvelous initiative and perhaps inspire some of us to get involved. Terry and Richard, or should I say Mr. Presidents, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor to have two presidents on the podcast at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of tickled to have you both here. So, Richard, let's let's start with you. Let's let's talk for a second about your book. Now, what did you hope that people would learn by reading Last Plane Out of Saigon? I hope that they'd learn the truth about the Vietnam War, 
I was in law school at University of Texas. After my first year, I got drafted. That's when we still had the draft. I was one of the last draftees. And lo and behold, I got sent to Vietnam. And when I went to Vietnam, I was assigned to the operating room of Third Field Hospital. The operating room, the Third Field Hospital at the time was the only hospital in Vietnam. It was in Saigon, was it? Or where was it in Vietnam? It was in Saigon. Okay. Yes, it was. And uh, I was an operating room technician, and we saw the horrors of war. We saw the realities. We saw the legs. We saw the arms. We saw the eyes. We saw the amputations. We saw the deaths. And war is upside down. It is crazy. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. They see it in movies, I guess. They they see movies and they think it's 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 very glorious and really cool, I guess. But what you're saying is it's it's absolutely not that. It's not absolutely not that. And not only Vietnam. And so I wrote I wrote uh, my experiences and later turned it into a book. But there are some truths in war that the general population is not aware of, and that's what I hope to impart by the book. What's that? What's that truth? Is there is there a way to to, to kind of summarize it, or is it is it a really is it a really complex, multi layered truth? One of the things that the, I say in the book is, as a result of war, you shall know the truth, and you'll be condemned to live in it forever, because huh. you you saw the horrors of war, but you saw the beauty of human nature at the same time, and. Uh, not unlike the Afghan and uh, Iraq veterans that you were referring to, war is war. And whether it's World War II, Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, you are changed. The people are changed, and they are forever changed to whoever goes there. Now, most of the people in war are youngsters. And when they come back, they're different. What was it like for you returning from war? Were, were you different? And how did you, I mean, because you, you've had a very successful career. So how did you, what, what was that like? And how did you pick yourself back up from that? In the long run, I benefited greatly because I learned to question authority. I learned that you can't always believe what you're told mm. by, by those in authority. And I learned to stand up for for truth and to fight for justice. And that benefited me throughout uh, my law school career and as a lawyer. Now, Terry, tell us about about your military service. By by the way, thank you both for your service to the country. That's it's I'm kind of at a loss for words, which is rare for me. But it's it's always humbling to be in the presence of, of veterans like yourselves. So, Terry, tell us about your experience. Well, unlike Richard, I uh, did not pull a ticket to Vietnam. By the time I got into the Marine Corps, they had discontinued sending Marines to Vietnam, so I dodged that bullet, so to speak. My tour in the Marine Corps uh, was at Quantico, Quantico, Virginia, for my initial infantry training, and then I was a lawyer in the Marine Corps, first trying courts martial cases in Virginia. So you're in the JAG. You're a JAG. I was basically in the JAG. In the Marine Corps, we don't call it JAG. They like to say every Marine officer is an infantry officer, but I had a a legal billet, and I was a lawyer in the Marine Corps, uh, trying cases at the trial court level, and then handling cases on appeal at the appellate court level. And and how long were you in the service? 
I was in the service for four years and really had great opportunity because I was able to get a master's of law at night at George Washington University on the GI Bill because I was stationed in Quantico, Virginia, which was only an hour or so out of Washington. Now, was your experience different from from veterans returning from war? Or do you think there's a commonality for veterans regardless of war experience? Oh, I think there's a commonality, but I, I, uh, most of the Marines with whom I dealt had come from service in Vietnam. Mm. So uh, I picked up uh, usually enlisted personnel who had served their time in Vietnam. They were coming back for so-called garrison duty in the United States, and they were stationed at the Marine Corps base in Quantico. Those are the Marines that I picked up on the, at the trial level. And then, of course, on the appellate level, I would pick up Marines who had uh, come back to various bases in the United States uh, from Vietnam. So were, were you a defense lawyer or were you, were you prosecuting these cases or were you on both sides, depending on the case? In the Marine Corps, they start you out as a defense lawyer. And once you earn your spurs, they give you the right to prosecute cases. So I handled on both sides of the docket. On the appellate level, I was exclusively on the defense side of the docket. Now, Richard, going back to your experience coming back home, I wouldn't say you were one of the lucky ones because there was obviously a lot of a lot of your own effort that went into this. But what separated you from the troops who came back from Vietnam who may have had less fortunate lives, you know, who might have suffered a bit more when they came back? What do you think was was the factor that kind of separated those who who went on to to greatness after their military service and those who suffered, whether it's PTSD or whether it's whether it's homelessness or any other types of mental health issues that that soldiers might be facing? Everybody's different. Their upbringings are different. Their character is different. I benefited by the fact that I was uh, a bit more mature than the other draftees, a lot of them were just 18 out of high school. I had gone through undergraduate school and I had a year of law school. So you were so what, 22 at that time? I was about 22. Yep. Okay. 22, 23. Hmm. And I think that made a difference. But also when I was in Vietnam, I had the benefit of having gone through the 60s on college campuses of the protests against the war and having benefit of that experience. And when I was in Vietnam, the, the overriding uh, emotion that I had was anger because I was angry that these young men were uh, dying needlessly. And I think that fueled a lot of my book and it fueled me when I got back to go on through law school and to accomplish some of the things I've done. I'll ask this to Terry, but really it might be for either one or both of you. What are some of the special needs that veterans have when they finish their military service that might be different from people in the, in the non-veteran population? Most people assume that veterans only need assistance in getting their VA benefits. The fact of the matter is that a veteran has the same legal needs as any other citizen, uh, ranging from family law issues, child custody, wills and estates, real estate issues, business type issues, a wide range of legal issues that any other citizen would face. These are the kinds of issues that our veterans 
face uh, when they return from from their service. So how is that unique from, because, you know, you said a second ago that veterans have a lot of the same needs as, as non-veterans, but obviously you, you started TLTV to try to serve veterans in some way. So what are some of the unique needs that TLTV is trying to address? Well, the reason we started TLTV was to recognize what you have heard from Richard and his great service in Vietnam. These are men and women who have put their lives on the line for us and served in foreign lands in many cases. And when they came back from that service, were discharged, hit a recession in this country, they Mm. were in dire straits. They needed help. And so we were there to hopefully provide the kind of help that we were trained to provide and thereby help them get back on their feet. And we owed it. We owed it to our veterans. When you became State Bar President, was this something that you already had in the back of your mind to accomplish as president? Or did it did the idea come to you in the midst of your of your presidency? Actually, uh, in the 2000 to 2008 time period, I was traveling all over the country handling cases. And I invariably would see these young men and women either going to or coming from Iraq and Afghanistan, and it really affected me, uh, much the same way as Richard was affected by seeing these young people and, and, and seeing what they were having to, to go through. So when I became state bar president, I was aware of the excellent program started by the Houston Bar Association with their great executive director, Kay Sim, and their Houston Bar President, Travis Sales, to assist veterans. So I basically piggybacked onto their program and took it statewide, which was really a very easy thing to do. You know, talk to us for a second about the genesis, if you know it, for the, for the Houston Bars. How did they structure it? What were they trying to accomplish? And then how did you take that statewide? In Houston, at the VA Medical Center, which was the Michael DeBakey VA Center, obviously there was a tremendous need in both Travis and Kay. Kay Sims' father was a veteran. Travis Sales' father is the extraordinary past president of the State Bar of Texas, Jim Sales, who happens to be a Marine. (laughs) <laughs> so there was a real lineage. You there. had to throw that in there, didn't you? Happens to be well, a Marine. I, we all caught that. Well, we we <laughs> we think the world of Jim Sales and and his leadership over the years, but there was a lineage both with Kay and Travis on veteran needs. So they put sure. this program together, and and one of the key factors that the Houston Bar program brought to the statewide level was the importance of getting our VA medical centers involved. When we first started this on a statewide program, we met a little bit of resistance from the Veterans Administration, like, wait a minute, you want us to allow lawyers to come into our VA medical centers to give advice to veterans? I don't think so. Fortunately, because of the success of the Houston Bar Program, working through the Houston Michael DeBakey VA Medical Center, We had that center's director who served as our spokesperson to other medical uh, VA centers around the state to convince them this was a great program. It would really help our veterans. And all of you need to get on board like we did in Houston to make this work. That was a key factor 
in making our statewide program successful. Now, Richard, talk to us a little bit about your reaction when you when you heard that that then President Tottenham was was going to start TLTV. You know, as a veteran, what was going through your mind? Because I, you know, I know you've been very active in TLTV. So, what did you think of it? You know, what did you contribute to it? And kind of talk us through your experience as a lawyer who's been serving in TLTV. One of the beauties of TLTV, and I found, I mean, that struck me right away, is that it's not centralized out of the State Bar of Texas. It is like an umbrella. State Bar is an umbrella. And the local bar associations run their own veterans clinics. Hmm. I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. And one of the reasons is that you have to understand the veteran to understand their needs. That's, that, that's an insight I hadn't heard before. Well, the question is, who are these people? Hmm. And there's a lot of veterans, but there are a lot of veterans that have been to war. To this mm-hmm. day, TLTV is still giving advice and helping Vietnam veterans, for example. But recently, we were told by Veterans Affairs that we have so many mental cases, PTSD is rampant. PTSD is rampant among Iraq, Afghanistan veterans. And what we were told is it increases because it's like a tsunami. The more deployments you have, the greater the PTSD will be. Hmm. You know, from People don't know this, but from Iraq and Afghanistan, you've got over 450,000 PTSD or depressed veterans that have come back. About 345,000 over that uh, suffer from alcohol and drugs. Wow. And this is 22, 22 veterans are committing suicide a day. So if this is the universe you're talking about, their needs are a little bit different. They're, they're much more magnified. And what a lot of veterans know is that when you get them back from war, you retreat. You have a hard time integrating into society. You don't interact with your friends. And life and survival is a lot harder. That's where TV comes in, and that's why it's such a great program because it provides legal, needed legal help for those uh, in poverty, those that are homeless, those that have disabilities. Because of COVID, I I spoke with the director of the Austin uh, Legal Clinic, Bar Association Legal Clinic a couple of days ago. And he tells me now that prior to COVID, you had um, a lot of older vets coming in. Hmm. After COVID, what you had, what they're seeing a lot of is younger vets, the Iraq, Afghanistan folks who have been uh, terminated or got eviction problems. And when you talk about eviction, it, it's nothing, I mean, it's not small potatoes. It is a big deal. Of course. It, sure. Why, why is it a big deal? It's a big deal because what are you going to do if you can't pay your rent? If you don't have a job, you're going to become homeless. I mean, it's estimated by the National Coalition for Homeless that 20, 25% of the homeless are vets. And every given day, 130,000 to 200,000 vets are homeless. And in a year, about 40, up to 400,000 vets are homeless. So that's where TLTV jumps in, is if you can prevent that eviction, it's a cascading of, uh, you know, effect, not only for the veteran, but for their families. 
So it's a, it's a tremendously great program. I recognize that right off the bat when talking to Terry. And I thought this is, you know, why haven't we done this before? But I, I, Rocky, I do want to also commend the state bar and commend Terry because it's a vision and he has pulled it off. Normally when you're state bar president, you have an initiative and as you leave, well, funny thing, that initiative goes away, <laughs> but not Terry's. You know, it's a kind of a standing joke about state bar presidents, but not Terry's. It has lived, uh, it, not only has it lived, but it's a model for the country. And I'm active in the ABA and I've you know, seen a lot of these. And his is the simplest, it's the best, as far as my concern is, because it's decentralized and it is uh, it lets um, the local bars do whatever they want. I want to just follow up on Richard's observation and very accurate observation about the large number of our veterans in homeless shelters. Uh, and also, I want to make a point to your listeners who might be asking themselves, well, I'm not really experienced in family law or uh, eviction law or whatever, so what can I provide at a veterans legal clinic? When we first started this program, we held a session at the homeless shelter in Austin. I called the social worker at the homeless shelter and I asked her to bring together a cross-section of the veterans population in the shelter. Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, men, women. And I wanted to have a focus group. I mm-hmm. wanted to find out from them what their needs are. If I brought lawyers in, what their needs would be. And it was an incredible session because the one common need that they had didn't have to do with some complex legal issue. It was simply getting bus tokens to go from the homeless shelter to the VA medical clinic Bus in Austin. Tokens. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, that problem is solved. We got it. We got your back on that. My, wow. point, be- my point being that veterans who come into these legal clinics, by and large, are just looking for some friendly, common sense advice. And if you're a lawyer out there who's listening to this podcast, I guarantee you that you have the intelligence, capability, and wherewithal to provide the type of advice these veterans are seeking. And the fact that there is a lawyer who is willing to take time to sit across the table and listen to their story and gives them the practical advice is so greatly appreciated by our veterans population. It is really a a, a gratifying thing to see. I wanted to ask a kind of couple of follow-up questions to the wonderful explanations that that both you and Richard gave. So the first question really, it goes back to something Richard pointed out. He said, you know, really the local bars are doing the on the ground work and TLTV is kind of an umbrella organization. So what is, what is the role that TLTV plays in this? You know, what what kind of support or mechanisms does, does TLTV bring to the table? TLTV provides basic background information for each local bar association. For example, we have brochures that are geared to lawyers to advise lawyers of the kinds of issues they'll be addressing at the legal clinics. We have brochures for veterans that advise veterans of the kinds of services available to them. 
we have what we call a clinic in a box, which is literally a box of materials that will enable you to put together a veterans legal clinic in your particular area. So we have a whole host of information, background, and materials that we feed to local bars so they can take these projects on at their local level. And as Richard pointed out, it is very important that all this be done at the local level because it is the local bar association who has the best feel for where the veterans meet, what their needs are, where they congregate, who they trust, that sort of thing. But you're talking about how it, it sounds like there's a lot of help in getting getting a veterans program started at a local bar association. What about thereafter? Is there some kind of continuing help that TLTV gives to these local bars? Yes. Uh, the local bar leaders come together once a year, usually in July in Houston, for the so-called local bar leaders conference. Uh, every year at that conference, we will have, uh, and I say we, myself or Richard or some other lawyer who's been actively involved in the veterans program, will put on a little refresher course about uh, lessons learned, what we've, what additional materials we may have to assist the local bar leaders in keeping the programs going or starting a program in their local area. I'm going to kind of confess something here. And I don't know, Terry or Richard, I don't know which one of you feels more comfortable addressing this question. But for me, the the hesitation in getting involved with the veterans initiative at a local bar level is not so much about the issues they bring to the table. It's more, will I be able to, or rather, let me switch that. Will the veterans be able to relate to me? I, I'm not a veteran. And so will veterans feel more comfortable talking to other veterans or, you know, can civilians like me still, still help them? And do they feel like they can still build that, that rapport and trust with someone in my shoes? Our experience has been, and we see this when we get testimonials from veterans that we put together for videotape presentations and things of that kind. That is not a barrier at all. Veterans are so appreciative that a lawyer would take time from their busy practice to sit across the table and listen to their plight and give them some common sense advice on how to deal with the situation. Now, obviously, if you have a lawyer who has been a veteran, there is going to be an instant rapport between the two. But I don't believe that the fact a lawyer has not served should be any barrier whatsoever in coming into a clinic and adequately representing a veteran. But I'd be interested in Richard's views on that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear, especially since Richard was w- was in a war theater and saw this. So th- taking taking yourself back to when you came came home, you know, would you have would you have been just as comfortable with a non-veteran as with a veteran in a situation like this? When veterans come, when a, in my view, when a veteran comes back from war. Anybody that can help them is welcome. They Hmm. need help. Veteran needs help. And uh, anyone that can help is welcome. Now, of course, if you have been in the same war, you have a better understanding. Sure. And of course, a veteran feels more comfortable. But as far as veterans go, anyone that can help. The veteran has hears a lot 
when they come home of thank you for your service. Right. And that's well-meaning and it's appreciated, but in the back of his mind, the veteran is saying, okay, so how are you going to help me? You know, it's easy to say that. And I want to follow up on something Terry said about volunteering. If anybody's interested in volunteering, just contact your local bar association. If you want to start a clinic and you don't have a, a bar association that has one, contact the State Bar of Texas. Uh, it's easy to start one. And believe me, volunteers will swarm to this. Now, one of the things that should not be an impediment, don't let it stop you, because you're not comfortable with the area of law. You're not comfortable with divorces, with wills, with evictions, whatever the, the veteran needs, don't let it stop you. I spoke with uh, the director of the Austin Bar Association a couple of days ago, and he says a lot of the evictions are resolved. They're resolved by picking up a phone, talking to the landlord, cutting a deal. So hmm. a lot of it is non-lawyer stuff. And if, if it is a, a lawyer, if lawyers need it, then they're referred out either to a legal aid or, or we have volunteer lawyers. And say somebody has a, a particular expertise, you can just get yourself on the list and as a resource. And whenever that particular area of the law comes up, they'll call you and say, can you help? Can you give us some advice or can you help this veteran? So it's pretty easy. And, you know, it's right now, um, patriotism may be in short demand, but it's pretty darn patriot, patriotic to be helping veterans. Now, Richard, you, you, you pointed out the, the scenario. Let's say, let's say your local bar association doesn't have a program for veterans, and if they don't feel like they, they have the resources or the wherewithal to actually set one up, is there a way that an individual lawyer who doesn't have that, doesn't have that support structure around them could still get involved in TLTV? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would recommend the state bar does have a, a staffer dedicated to TLTV, and they have an office. Just call the state bar and, and ask the staffer. One of the questions that comes up is, okay, who funds these? Especially if you're a smaller bar or even, uh, you know, like the Austin Bar, for example. Well, Texas Access for Justice Foundation hmm. funds a lot of this. They have a gala. You may or may not know about it. Absolutely. But if somebody, they say, I don't have time to get involved. Okay, give money and dedicate it to Texas Access to Justice Foundation for a veterans clinic or buy a table or tickets, you know, to the gala. And that will help out a lot because I know that, uh, for example, with the Austin Bar, they get, you know, I believe a $75,000 grant. I may be mistaken, but it's more or less. And they use that for staff and it, it's what the engine that makes that clinic run. Now, one, one final question, Terry, in your case. When you started TLTV, did you ever foresee that it would it would grow to this point where others would start replicating it? You know, it, Richard had mentioned earlier that sometimes the presidential initiatives just kind of peter out after the president leaves office. And obviously, TLTV is still around 10 years later. Did you foresee this? Well, I don't know if I foresaw it or not, but I did, I did set as a goal that we would continue this program into the future and that we would try to get these type programs in all 50 states because I knew that we had the ingredients for success. A, we had a great client base. 
everybody wants to help a veteran. B, we had a project that was ready-made for local bars to pick up and run with. And every local bar wants a project. And C, we had the kind of initiative that would make lawyers feel good about being lawyers because they were helping a veteran. So I knew we had the key ingredients for a successful program. It was just a matter of sort of reaching out and touching all the bases to implement it on a permanent basis here in Texas and around the country. So it turns out I lied. Actually, I got one one last question after something you just said, Terry. So you said, you know, everybody wants to help a veteran. And one of the questions that kind of swims around in my head is, do people still want to help veterans? I mean, I've, I've, I've heard and I've been told that after the war effort started to wane to some degree, that the awareness of veterans issues started to also wane along with it. Do you think do you think there is still as much enthusiasm for veterans or do we need to do more to try to educate people on the needs and plights of veterans? Well, I think since only 1% of our citizens actually serve, we do need to continually wherever possible educate people about the needs for veterans. Uh, however, I think that that lawyers in particular are still standing in line and responding to the call for veterans' help. As as Richard mentioned, he's been very active in the American Bar Association, and they've got a task force that's looking at this in a wide-ranging way so that uh, these programs are still very active and very viable, and lawyers are still responding to the call. So I don't think that's a problem. Richard Terry, unfortunately, we are out of time. I could talk about this all day. This is this is a fascinating topic. And congratulations to both of you on the success of TLTV, celebrating 10 years. And here's to here's to many more decades of success with TLTV. I also want to thank you both again for your military service and of course your service to the state bar. And you guys joined us today. That's that's a big deal. Thank you for that as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky. Now, if you would like to learn more about TLTV, please be sure to read about it in the November issue of the Texas Bar Journal. And finally, I want to thank you for tuning in and encourage you to stay safe. Make sure you follow all applicable orders for dealing with COVID-19. And please advise your clients and loved ones to do the same. The situation is changing fluidly and quickly. So please seek out legal counsel if you have a question or have a need. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, life's a journey, folks. I'm Rocky Deer, signing off for now. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.